0: Fruits or five pounds for a pint of fierce or a daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds.
1: Oh, <laughs>
2: Hello and welcome to episode 149 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I am Gavin J. Baxter. We have a depleted squad this week as both Gary and Graham are missing in action. But coming back into the first team, we've patched the team together like it's Tarradice and Scott Brown and Dean Campbell are playing at centre-back. Making his return to the show is none other than Mr. Mark Simpson. Mark, how are you? Good evening. Not bad, thank you. And joining him in central defence is, from Norway, Matilda Fongen, our, how should we say, yeah, the plastic of the, of the Aberdeen support.
3: The plastic? Yeah, yeah. Okay. You're
2: an I'm yeah. you're, you're here, you've just latched on to us because we're the biggest team in Scotland.
3: No, I latched on because I started seeing you, and now we live together, and I have no way back.
1: I don't yeah. worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it, Matilda. Because out of those two centre halves, I am definitely Ruby.
2: Okay. To be fair, when we started going to watch Aberdeen games, you did come in during the Stephen Glass era, so no one could accuse you of being a glory hunter.
3: No, no, I can't. I can't have that
2: thrown after me at all, can I? Right. Okay. I retract the previous statement. Now, <laughs> before we get going in anger, let's take a moment. Now, let let the listeners in on the magic a little bit. We do have a, something of a script that we follow. Now, Gary, who will be the guy who tells that no one wants to hear him about Derek McInnes anymore, has written a section about Derek McInnes. Do we want to read it or do we move on? Oh, do you know something. The Clyde
1: game was that boring. There's probably not much to speak about. So let's let's hear it and then we can judge
2: okay well let's take a moment to reflect on the most Derek McInnes of Derek McInnes pieces of recruitment as Greg Stewart signs on the dotted line for a McInnes side for the third occasion becoming the new Ash Taylor in the process Mark do you have any thoughts or feelings about whether Derek will find a way to actually play Greg Stewart in his natural position this time? Uh, no he won't
1: but the funniest thing about that was the sadness in Greg Stewart's eyes at the official club unveiling I don't know if you saw the photo of him uh, shaking Derek's hand
2: but oh my god that man looks sad I distinctly recall when Greg Stewart signed for either the first or second time that when we had the old you know scarf above the head photo that he did look as though he is posing and recording a video assuring us that his captors (laughs) were keeping him well fed
0: (laughs) So just I guess it's good. maybe
2: his, just his uh, natural demeanour, shall we say. But yes, we'll wait with bated breath, I guess, for when Kilmarnock visits Uh and Greg Stewart takes to the field as a Kilmarnock player. More importantly though, tonight we are going to take a look back at our win over Clyde in the Scottish Cup on Friday night. We'll check in with the latest news from AB24, check in with our loanies in Lone Watch. We'll take a look back at the young team in the Quines. Well, no, we won't because they didn't play, so they'll skip over that part. And then after the break, we'll bring you our preview of our return to the cinch action on Wednesday evening as the Dons travel to Perth to take on Craig Levine's St. Johnston. But first, Clyde nil Aberdeen to Friday 19th of January 2024. New Douglas Park, the Scottish Cup fourth round. No changes to the starting 11 that lined up at Ross County prior to the winter break. Robson sticking with the back four of Devlin, Rubicic, Gartnerman, and McKenzie, with a midfield five of Barron, Clarkson, Shinny, Pulvara, and McGrath, with Miofsky leading the line. And in wet and blustery conditions in South Lanarkshire, the Dons dominated the ball from the off. Plenty of neat and tidy possession play, but Clyde were well-organized and restricted the Dons to a couple of long-range efforts in the opening 20 minutes before completely against the run of play... The Bully Wee nearly took the lead as Young arched an effort towards goal that smacked through the Roosters post and bounced wide to safety. That scare seemed to spark the Aberdeen side into a more urgent frame of mind as Polvada had an effort deflected just wide before the Donals took the lead on 32 minutes. McGrath with some good play on the left-hand side of the box and his lofted ball was cushioned by Devlin at the path of Miofsky who adjusted his feet wonderfully to drill a low effort back into the far corner. Dons continued to dominate the game and were unlucky not to double the lead on the stroke of halftime. McGrath clipped ball, finding a neat run by Miofsky and his first time effort clipped the bar and went over. Half-time, 1-0 to Aberdeen. Second half, Aberdeen definitely out the traps with a bit more urgency. Pulvara and Clarkson with efforts on goal before Nicky Devlin made it 2-0 just before the hour. Devlin himself winning the ball in his own half, passing sh- infield to Shinney history football from Miofsky found a glorious backheel into the path of Dante Polvara who in turn slid the ball into Nicky Devlin and let's just call it an emphatic finish from the Aberdeen number two to make the game 2-0 that was the game done and dusted Polvara and Shinny with chances that went begging before the Dons made their first changes as Duke and Morris were introduced for McGrath and Barron before our saviour himself Papi Habugay, came on for Miofsky with eight minutes remaining the Dons, with the breakaway on 90 minutes. The Duke couldn't find a pass at the end of full time, 2 0. The Dawns into the hat for the sick for the fifth round, sorry, where we will play. Do we know yet? 25 minutes. The draws In are 25 past past eight. Eight. Yeah, We will report that when we hear who it's going to be. Guys, I mean, let's be honest. A pretty professional performance. Uh, kept, kept Clyde at bay for. Almost the entire of the game, had that little scare in the first half when it looks like their attacker is going to curl the ball into the left corner and, you know, we can start panicking. The ghost of Darvel. By the way, I don't think the BBC mentioned Darvel enough in their commentary of the game. So somebody I read on Twitter, I think, went back
1: and watched the full program and I believe they mentioned it something like 46 times. They mentioned the word Darvel 46 times. And it's just lovely to say get right up you BBC it was it, as you say Gav it was an extremely professional uh, performance okay Clyde had that one chance and to be fair it was a great effort uh, but that was it I think the possession stats we had something like 80% of the ball uh, okay we didn't necessarily do a lot with it but it was pretty comfortable and sort of If I, I would have absolutely taken that performance and that result at uh, before the game Hundred
2: percent. Yeah, I mean, it's cup games, as we all know, performances are great, but it's simply about getting the job done, getting yourself into that next round. It was difficult conditions, a uh, lot of rain, a lot of wind, a let's call it plastic pitch, although that seems generous in terminology to what there is at New Douglas Park at the moment. It was about four thousand colours. It was a lot of colours, and yeah, varying degrees of a uh, bouncability. If that's a word, which I don't think it is, but we'll run with it anyway. <laughs> Matilda, what did you make of the performance?
3: That's me trying to figure out something clever to say. um I just remember as before it started, kind of you were you know I sh- you were saying to me, you should be uh, confident, but you had that sort of chip on your shoulder. <coughs> Our dog is agreeing with me um <laughs> I need to go sort him out
2: yes that is Dylan also saying that uh, just remember Darvel guys Um, he he agrees that was just the case wasn't it it was there I mean we have to accept it it will be part of our history until something worse happens if anything will ever top the Darvel defeat but yeah I think it's fair to say that BBC were is just going a little bit overboard. I didn't hear any mention of Bro Rangers in the Hearts game, for example, uh, which is a relatively recent...
1: Yeah, I made that point as well. Um, I actually watched the game with my wife as well, and she's not a football fan, and even less an Aberdeen fan. But she watched the game, and um, I made the point to her that Brora beat Hearts, was it a year, two years before?
2: Uh, so this is though. back when this is back when Hearts were in the championships, so it's hard to say. Oh. Yeah, could have awesome. be many
1: one of many years, yeah. One of uh, many years.
2: That's, but, a couple of years ago now, yeah. But look, it's
1: it is the worst um the worst result probably in the history of the Scottish Cup and we have to live with that, but who gives a fuck? Doesn't matter now,
2: does it? Uh well to a, to a degree, let's just say the ghost has been exercised and now we can move on to the next round. <laughs> Mark, set up, I think we all speculated what Barry would would end up doing with the team off the back of that sterling performance in Dingwall that has set Derek Adams off, you know, off the edge of the cliff <laughs> even more so. And by all accounts, it looks like Parthas may have actually finished the job off in terms of, you know, physically pushing him off said cliff. We'll come to that later on, I think, when we come to the Twitter comments. But were you surprised that Barry stuck with the same team or did you expect him to go to that back three again? No, I
1: did expect him to play the four. Um, I mean, there can be absolutely no argument as to the effectiveness of the four in the last couple of games and the second half against uh, Livingston at Pataudry. So no, I fully expected him to play the back four. I think he would have been absolutely crazy to go back to the five. But this was quite a good game for Angus MacDonald. I felt, and I, I, when I, that was the only concern I had from that lineup was Rubicic before McDonald, because McDonald played one or two of the European games when Rubicic didn't, and you kind of think, well, this is maybe a game for him. I mean, in my opinion, I'm, I'm with you, Gav. I think he's a much better defender than, McDonald, um, uh, sorry, than uh, Rubicic, and I don't understand why he doesn't play more. So that was the only surprise for me, but I think if he'd gone back to the five, he would have been absolutely battered by the Aberdeen fans Um, I don't think he really had a choice other than the four and
2: what a surprise once again, pretty effective Matilda you've heard us bleating non-stop this season about the back five, uh, the shape of the team, were you at all surprised to find out that we were actually relatively satisfied with the manager's decision to stick to that back four and get our best players in midfield which we've all been crying out for all season
3: I mean like it's he didn't really have a choice, did he? Unless he wanted basically, well, an army of hate come towards him. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, if, if he had done that, it's a matter of keeping your job at the end of the day, isn't it? Like,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, he, he's been, other he's been a pretty stubborn manager up till now, uh, yeah. in the year that he's been in really? the job. So I think we, yeah, it was an interesting one. I think that, Hopefully, is a sign that he's acknowledging that the back five is not the the optimum way of setting up this team. And going forward for the second half of the season, we are going to see more of the back four. Like Mark, I would like to see much more of Angus Mellon in there. I don't think Rubicic or Garmin really had anything to, to test them. But I guess better players in our league, um, there's been enough warning signs that they're not necessarily the best uh, defensive options but we'll see how things go when we play St. Johnston on Wednesday
1: yeah that will be the telltale as to i think his intentions for the the rest of the season if he goes with the 4 or the 5 will be St. Johnston on Wednesday um I I mean Garteman. I didn't think he'd okay he didn't have a, a lot to do but for the chance when Clyde hit the post his attempt at blocking the shot is ridiculous he basically turns his back I mean I know he didn't have anything to do but that's the only comment I can really make on the defence because there wasn't anything else going on Rubicic was his usual self charging out and there was quite a few free kicks given against him but I mean I think we've all come to expect that now and that's just the kind of player he is but Wednesday will be the the telltale as to whether or not he sticks with the back four or goes back to this ludicrous five that we've spoken about or you guys have spoken about forever, it feels like.
2: Yeah, yes, it's been a recurring theme. Also interesting that, you know, Garteman is, we have to remember, he's on loan. Uh, Richard Jensen is our player, but that's been him uh, kind of bombed out of the side with this shift in formation. So it'll be interesting to see both in terms of shape and the personnel, uh, what we have have going forward and what that could potentially mean for the future of uh, Angus McDonald and perhaps even Richard Jensen. But we'll see how things develop. I mean, let's be honest, there's not much to talk about within the game. There's that chance for no. Clyde. Then that sort of seemed like that was enough of a scare to make us kind of snap into ourselves.
3: It did seem like that that needed to happen for... Aberdeen to just kind of say, oh, right, okay, they can score goals if we let them. Yeah. And then kind of go, right, we need to not let them do that again.
2: Yeah, we had a lot of possession without creating anything in the way of real opportunities. And then, you know, when you need a goal, though, in Aberdeen, Jay McGrath, some good work on the left side. Nikki Devlin, who else is in the opposition penalty area, good chest off to Boyan Mioski and Boyan Miowski goes and does Boyan Miowski things. We're recording this on the 21st of January, so there's roughly 10 days left in the window. Mark, are you pretty confident that Ojan's going to still be our player come that moment when the transfer window slams shut as it should do? I think so.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I saw his interview that he did with, a, I can't remember the name of the team that he played for in Macedonia um, when he was there the last few weeks. And he said himself, like he's really satisfied with, I think the word he used it, was obviously translated was satisfactory with how he's he's enjoying his football he likes playing aberdeen he's still got 80 he said he's got 18 months left on his contract which makes me think that he's going to still be here barry robson said after the game uh speaking to the bbc that we, we don't have to sell him and it would take a pretty special offer for us to even consider it so i don't see it happening i, I think he'll be here um Come the end of the window, yeah. But then I thought Ramadani would still be here at the end of the window <laughs> in the summer, so you never know. But you, you, I, I think if you sell Majofsky now, I think you kiss goodbye to any chance of European football next season, because he's been probably one of the only shining lights of the season. You need to keep him. You
2: don't think Papi Habeg is ready to step up? He's... no. No, he's got a lovely uh, <laughs> flying elbow a lovely flying elbow but, uh, I mean when no. I saw that I was just thinking to myself when he does that in the dying minutes of the game is this New Douglas Park or is this the Georgia Dome yeah. I mean I think Lex Luger used to throw out that, that forward arm smash I actually
1: missed it because of the rainwater on the uh, the camera uh, which was <laughs> lovely I mean it's a nice add-on I think uh, Gary said it was like watching the game in a steam room um, but yes. when when they showed the replay it was like oh yeah yeah has done that that's that's ridiculous what is he doing and in a game with VAR that may well have been a
2: red card but he's done something now he's done something we can speak of yes <laughs> something he could well have had a uh a tap into an empty net had Shaden Morris played the ball across but again the the camera was so covered in water that I don't really know what Shaden did but either way it ended up in the goalkeeper's hands rather than the back of the net so uh, mm. we'll give him the benefit of the doubt maybe it took a, a nasty bounce off the astroturf you never know
3: just enjoyed the, like the consistent squeaks from
2: wow. the oh that was really awkward yeah <laughs> it, was, uh, it was lovely it was yeah. a nice
3: little.
2: it was nice oh, there were mo- there were one or two months where i was wondering what is the cameraman actually doing here yeah mm-hmm.
1: That that chance that you're talking about with gay, about four minutes before that, Morris had tried to leave the stadium by being chucked through an exit. So um, which again was I don't know how he ended up there, but then during the treatment he was getting, there was Aberdeen fans who'd come down to the front and were just recording him on on, on their phones. I was like, what are you doing? Just standing like, take a video of this. Like, what are you doing? So yeah, he I, I actually really enjoyed that. You got absolutely Cleaned out and ended up going through an exit. So yeah, that was it good. It
2: was strange because I thought it was an open exit, but then you looked at it and it was like, no, the exit was still shut. So I think he went under. Yeah, you had to go th- the gate, yeah. which is pretty spectacular. Um, yeah, yeah. All things. Yeah, I mean, I think he's okay. So um, nothing, nothing happened there. It could have been a much worse injury than it turned out to be. Mm-hmm. I so, mean, yeah. Let's 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 just get wrap this game up. I mean, the second half was just a bit of a formality, really. Uh, we get that second goal. Like I say, some good work from Shinny, uh, Miofsky, Polvara, and then Devlin gets the ball in the penalty area, takes one touch. No danger this is going anywhere other than the far corner. It's a very, very emphatic finish. and Maybe just a sign of what Nicky Devlin's brought to the team from an attacking perspective that I maybe didn't think he had in his locker.
1: Yeah, he, he presses high. I mean, that's it was one of the most um, satisfying goals that you can score a post and in. It's just... I, I don't know what it is but from that angle Posting him is beautiful but on Devlin I really enjoyed him for Majofsky's goal because there's times in the games and it's happened before I think it happened at was it maybe the hacking game away where he obviously just thinks fuck this and goes and plays up front Um, yeah. and that's that's where he was for uh, Majofsky's goal he's, he's in the middle of the goal he, he's playing centre forward almost and it's just it's just that attitude of I can actually do something here fuck this shit Let's go and score, and um you saw it for the first goal, and he was well advanced for the second um I think you're generous with Majofsky's bike heel gav it was <laughs> I don't think he even knew where
2: where uh, the ball was, but I don't think that was uh the revolutionary no look back heel
1: <laughs> you could see maybe it's a new thing that'll be on the new fiFA um
3: <laughs> he's got eyes on his feet,
1: oh, yeah, hundred percent, but uh Povara again laying the ball off he's he's done that quite a few times lately where he's been in a good position to lay a ball off for a chance or, or a goal and, and it happened again but um, going back to your, your point about Devlin being advanced I, I sit so my season ticket is in the main stand overlooking the shed so I'm almost right on the goal line and Devlin's quite often up at our end I, when we're attacking that end he's, he's, he's often well up and I also thought on the other side McKenzie was well advanced as well Um, And and he looked pretty... I mean, I know it's Clyde and it's not, you know, a a fantastic team, but I thought both fullbacks were good.
2: Yep, would tend to agree. I don't think it was necessarily the finest game of any of our midfielders. any of them, It's a game where I thought Connor Barron would, you know, run the show. I don't think he had his best game. Clarkson likewise. You know, Shinny didn't have much to do. Polvada had a couple of moments, as did McGrath, but none of them necessarily... I, I just felt like it was a game where we never got out of second gear. Because no, we didn't, didn't feel didn't we needed need to. to.
3: And I think that that's yeah. like what, what we spoke about after it as well was like it was definitely not the most entertaining game ever, not the most amazing performance ever. But it didn't need to be. And like you were saying, these games are more about getting the job done and getting the win rather than putting on a show. <laughs> so Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean Barron, I, I I actually thought first half Baron was really poor. Um which is not something you can say often about him this season his distribution from that deep role was pretty shite to be honest his corners were atrocious all game and then Leighton Clarkson went and took one and it was even worse so (laughs) I don't think as, as you say I don't think any of the the midfield had any particularly fantastic games but it's, 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 it's all pass marks it's all probably five and sixes out of ten which is all you really needed wasn't it
2: yeah exactly I mean the corner kicks like you talk about for a minute there I thought we were back in the days of Ben Thornley it was yeah. truly <laughs> oh, atrocious stuff. I mean you've got a giant like Ruby in the in the penalty box you know you can't be hitting first men or firing the ball over everyone ben, that's uh, pretty unthinkable stuff Ben but, um, Thornley Gavin Ben Thornley Jesus yeah, that's a that's, memory that's
1: I did not want to revisit
2: do you not know, remember, Like we used to have the Ebi Scovidal, sorry I'm telling you, you what remember this Ebb Scovidal was our manager for a little bit and he had what he called the Flying V The
3: Flying yeah, V Where
2: Derek White would kind of run around in sort of like a semi-circle and then charge and lead like four other guys and the idea being that you know, you get the corner into sorry, the front near post and every time Ben Thorne would fire it well over for like right. a, a throw in to the opposition on the other side of the pitch It was classic stuff
3: there's just something profoundly sad and disappointing about a ball just kind of bouncing and rolling off the pitch without having touched a single player.
1: Yeah. Did Scovdell not also patent the Choo Choo train where the players all ran along the edge of the box and when the corner came in they all burst into the box? Yeah. I'm sure
2: that I'm sure that was yeah, him as well. Yeah. That, yeah, there, that was it. Um, well, uh, I'm not sure if that's the technical term. <laughs> I think that's maybe what we christened. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember Kevin Rukovic scored an absolute screamer doing that one time. against hearts. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Rukovic. There's another God name for you. Rolling back the years, Gav. Jeez. Little known fact: Gary would have given Kevin Rukovic a new contract if he could have, but uh, that not to be. And then, then he went away and started writing songs, like while managing Sterling. That album. is, rev-
1: yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he did. That is absolutely disgusting.
2: Let's move on. I mean, like I say, two 0 we could have had a couple more goals late on with counter-attacks if Duke and Morris maybe make some better choices. No real danger, despite the best efforts of Kelrus at uh, at the Clyde corner kick to put the shakers up us. Toonel Aberdeen went into the next round of the Scottish Cup. There's been no real major shocks I can think of uh, so far. I mean, I know that Airdrie beats In Johnston. I wouldn't class that as a shock. Otherwise, you know, we'll just wait and see who we get in the next round and that should be fairly imminent. Five but minutes, yeah. Hearts needed a 92nd minute goal
1: to beat Spartans, I think. They, they did, yes. yes. Um, but no, there wasn't I, mean, I, th- I had, I had uh, what's it called, sport sound on the radio in the car, and I had four for, I think, were kind of all over Hibs for a period as well when it was 0-0. Um, but no, no, no real shocks. Um, the only mm-hmm. other note I have about the Aberdeen game is how furious Duke looked when he came on. Uh, into the pissing rain, <laughs> and was just delighted to be at new hamilton Park and not at Afcon. So yeah, that was nice. Uh,
2: yes, yes, poor guy. I mean, for my sins, I did briefly watch a tiny little bit of Dunbarton versus Rangers, and you know the new boy they brought in, Fabio Silva. He's shite. He's not very good. But I mean, this guy moved no. from what Benfica to Wolves for thirty-five million pounds, and here he is coming on with seventy minutes gone to play Dumbarton at the rock in the in a mild hurricane. And you've never seen a guy look so uninterested in coming on to a football pitch. <laughs> yeah, looking through the scores, yeah, no major shocks. I mean, part of this will beat Ross County 3-0. I think that's all you can pay me. And like I say, Airdrie beat St. Johnston. So they're the two top flight teams that have departed, but like I say, we'll wait and see. The draw is very imminent. We'll see which I'm team are Rangers have to get. I'm waiting for Rangers to get Bonnie and Rig Rose at home and Celtic to draw. I don't know. Cove. Cool. Aberdeen. at <laughs> Celtic Park. But wrapping up the tie with Clyde, we vanquish Ian Nicole and Mark Kerr's new team. Mark, your top dawn. Um, I would go
1: Devlin, yeah. I, I would agree with... Uh, and f- oh God, it hurts to say I agree with BBC,
2: but uh, I would go Devlin as well, yeah. Matilda, top on. Is it too
3: cliché to say Mielski?
2: Nope, it's perfectly Never. understandable.
3: Is it cliché for a reason, is it?
2: Everything is cliché for a reason. It's because it's usually true. And yeah, <laughs> boy Mielski, once again, a class above his 16th goal of the season in a team that doesn't create much in the way of chances for him, so...
3: I mean, I think that that back heel was fully intentional.
2: I think so too. Um, I am going to tend to agree. I think that, yes, Nicky Devlin was very, very good. Drove us forward, drove us onto the victory. You know, he assists the first goal, scores the second. Nicky Devlin is my top Don. So, latest news out of AB24 since last week. The main news coming out of the club the extension of contracts for midfield duo Alfie Stewart and Dylan Lobban that sees them both committed to the club until 2026. Stewart then following fellow young team member Brendan Hamilton in being loaned out this week. Hamilton to Highland League outfit banks City who appear to block a lot of Aberdeen fans on Twitter myself included and I have absolutely no idea why. Uh, Alfie Stewart heading to league two side, peerhead, oh the poor bastard, for the remainder of the season so with all that said and done we can move on to Lone Watch Keenan Gwenya, Park Thistle not in the squad for Thistle's 3-0 win in the cup over Ross Kempney now I'm just going to go back to the Twitter comments, we obviously put out the tweet of what people like us to talk about Bob M 1996 with Derek Adams seemingly on permanent watch by the Samaritans while he manages County, Who are some of the worst managers in terms of attitudes the Scottish game has ever had? Mark, anyone stand out to you? Well, I saw the
1: tweet and I actually went and had a look back. Um, I mean, the obvious one for Aberdeen's Steve Patterson. Um, I mean, his his attitude was interesting, and we'll just, just leave that at that. Um, but I found out that... Did you know Nicholas An- Anelka's brother, Claude, managed Wraith Rovers? I did know that, yes. For a very, very brief spell, if I remember rightly. It was eight games. Uh, drew one and lost seven. And he then... He paid 300 grand to the club and appointed himself manager. And then... <laughs> apparently was just a DJ around Kirkcaldy whilst he was manager as well, (laughs) which is just phenomenal. Uh, Brought in a heap of French amateur players and then admitted after he left the club that he hated it every moment of it. So attitude wise, that that's got to be up there. Um, Can we say Graham Ricks?
2: Oh, um, that's C. Whose first game as Hearts boss was at Petodre. So this keeps happening. So, Matilda's first away game with Aberdeen was Dens Park when Lee Griffiths had just signed on loan (laughs) from Celtic and Aberdeen fans were chanting a certain um, (laughs) song in his direction and you asked me like why do we keep singing that to him and I had to explain why we were. Um, Graham Ricks, he was convicted wasn't he? Yes he was, he was a convicted pedophile, yes. Graham Ricks was a convicted sex offender um, and after not after he came out of prison I think he'd been out for a while at this point but yeah. he uh, became manager of Hearts and uh during a interesting time for them when Vladimir Romanov in the Lithuanian banker if I remember yeah, rightly
1: he, he owned with, was it Ukio Bank yeah
2: yeah I think with connections to the Kremlin if I remember rightly Anyway, uh, interesting time. Nearly killed Hearts, but yes, Graham Ricks became their manager, and Aberdeen fans were relentless. I think he had a security detail with him that day.
1: He did. Every time he got off the bench, the Aberdeen fans would sing "Sit Down," con- complete the song. Um, at him, which uh, I, I I found hilarious. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> just also because it's Hearts, just because it's Hearts.
2: Yeah, because what's I'm trying to think back now. So was he the first manager after George Burley?
1: Yes, they had Burley then they had Ricks. And
2: then yeah. did they go with one of the Lithuanian lads? I think you might be right. I can't I remember it oh, it's hard to remember all the managers they had at that one time. But it looked for, like yeah. a brief six-month period that they might like, actually go ahead and win the league. And then they just hit the self-destruct button. And Graham Ricks was a big part of that. Um i'm I'm just gonna put my nominations forward um a certain mark McGee. oh yeah 100 percent. i think you can maybe question the adage of a manager who becomes the aberdeen manager and in his first press press conference immediately starts talking about how much he would have rather he would have been at celtic but he didn't get the celtic job so i'm here at aberdeen instead
3: how do people like you didn't he also do that at
1: uh, Dundee, where he said that he no one knows the team as well as I do, and he didn't even know that Charlie Adam was the
2: captain? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did that as well, didn't he? What a disaster of a human! No one could tell you any more about Dundee than I can. And then a journalist asked, "So are you going to think about maybe changing the captaincy?" Ah, uh, well, you've got me there. <laughs> um, I think he said, "Charlie."
1: Yeah, I think that's what he said. Is it? He he looked at one of the Dundee, I don't know, media guys, and was like, "Is Charlie the captain?" Like, are you taking the piss? <laughs> hell! I know Charlie
2: Adams, the captain of Dundee. And I don't even support them. Jesus, <laughs> that was sensational. And I would—I pro- mean, hips have had many, many candidates for this, but I think Lee Johnson, which is a bit of an idiot, really. John Collins, yeah, John oh, Collins, yeah, yeah. A, a relentlessly vain man who uh, legend has—I think this has been confirmed actually by Stephen Fletcher—would um, come in every day after they'd been beaten and talk about how none of them wanted it enough. And his way of proving that he was a winner and they were losers was he would lift up his shirt and show them his six-pack.
1: <laughs> I've not heard that before. That's absolutely amazing. There was... I mean, I th- I, Hibs have had a lot of garbage managers, but maybe yes. not attitude. I mean, Frank Sosey was uh, just hilarious, but I don't think he had a terrible attitude. You could probably say any percentage of Rangers managers on the basis that, they complain about everything and it's never their fault it's everybody else's fault and the SFA I mean the one that always stands out uh for me is the fact that they cheated and were put into administration which and then liquidated I mean that's that's poor attitudes, isn't it <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to mention that I just wanted to mention that again um but also the out- DOS exactly I, I bring this up in any any walk of life i possibly can um and the fact that they submitted that dossier to the sfa after the aberdeen game which is i mean maybe that's more of a club attitude than it's a manager attitude but they've had some really shitty uh,
2: managers over the years yeah i feel it goes hand in hand when it comes to rangers i think that's an i mean an obvious can also is neil lennon neil lennon he's a interesting chap You'll never see anyone throw his team throw his team under the bus quite in the same way that Neil Lennon will whenever anything goes wrong. And yes, 100 percent It 100%. bothers me. It bothers me whenever any conversation about Aberdeen managed opposition comes up, that Neil Lennon's name is inevitably thrown into the, to the hat. Please, I mean, please, and no thank you.
3: I mean the first quote that comes into my head in this sort of general theme is uh am I paraphrasing None. No more of that tippy-tappy bullshit. I feel like that guy had quite a good uh, attitude towards. Uh... Are
2: right, you talking about the Inverary Locos manager? Yes. Sure. <laughs> oh no! Well, see, when we're going into that level, we might as well be talking about Gary's managerial skills. <laughs>
3: well, I wasn't going to go there, but uh... I just feel like it's a quote worth worth uh, bringing. Well, on. Gavin,
1: mm-hmm. Gavin, Matilda, oh. it's an it's an Aberdeen home draw. Oh, here we go. Ooh. And I'm just waiting for Scottish icon Christian Daly to reveal who we're playing. Number four, which is... Bonnie Rig Rose.
2: Yes! Beautiful! Bonnie Rig Rose. We are, welcoming, we are welcoming the Rose, who I think, off the top of my head, might well be the lowest-ranked side left in the competition. They'll be so a 2-0 no watch. Is, I would like to say, a result, uh, as far as... <laughs> I think... The only other lower
1: team, or potentially on a par team, Brora play Cove on Tuesday. So maybe Brora. Ah, that's
2: fair. That is fair. I mean, how have they done that? How have they not given Bonnie Rick Rose away to one of the old firm? They'll beat us 2 now watch. Christian Daly's, <laughs> Christian Daly's never going to be done to Scottish Cup draw ever again. <laughs> Picked the wrong just, heated uh, ball. Yeah, I know. I know. Right, I mean, well, it's Christian- confirmed. Aberdeen versus Bonnie Rose in the fifth round of the Scottish Cup. That'll be exciting. I would wager that's the first time we'll ever play Bonnie Rose. So
1: I would say so. First game Airdre, Airdre play hearts. Hearts are away. Oh interesting game. Interesting game.
2: Interesting indeed. Airdre doing well this season. Huh. Right.
1: Rangers at home. What a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> what a surprise.
2: Check this there'll be another ball with Bonnie Rose. That might be Celtic. Hold on. No. It,
1: fuck off. Air United. Fuck off. <laughs> I just saw number three and thought alphabetically that could be selling, but it's not.
2: Rangers versus Air United. I feel we should just, just stick with this now. No, I'm bored. Christian Daly's ugly. <laughs> Christian Daly. Fair go. enough. We'll continue to rattle through Lone Watch, Alfie Babbage, Kelty Hearts. Another start for Babbage as Kelty took on. The recently mentioned area united in the Scottish Cup, but it couldn't stop the honest men marching into the fifth round with a 3 0 win at Somerset Park. Finlay Marshall, no game this week for Edinburgh City. Blair Mackenzie, likewise, no game for Elgin City. Dylan Lobin, not on the squad for forfars tie with Hibbs, cup tied, having featured for for Martin earlier in the tournament. Alfie Stewart, having just made the move to the blue tune earlier in the week. Stewart having to make do with a place on the bench as Peterhead came from Toon down at East Fife in League Two to take a point in a Desmond. Sturt coming off the bench for the former Don, Peter Pollitt, maybe, with 20 minutes to go. How old does it make you feel to know that Peter Pollitt's coming to the end of his career?
1: Yeah, that makes me feel quite old. I, I've, my, uh, my employment takes me to Peterhead every day, and I cannot tell you the excitement up there of Peter Pollitt signing... For them. To be fair, half of them are Rangers fans because that seems to be the Peterhead way. But the few Peterhead fans that are there were genuinely excited. But coming to the end of his career, is he not 32? He's not that old, actually. Has he just decided that he doesn't like playing football?
2: I'm just saying, yeah, I would say at his age, when you make that decision to go part time, that's, yeah, you're winding down. um yeah. Interesting to see what happens there if he can, because uh, Peterhead are doing okay this season, aren't they?
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, they are, yeah. they are.
2: Maybe he'll lead them back into the, the promised land of League One. Be, you never know. Be, be Aaron Reid and Adam Memsley. for Martin, no game for these two, as Four Martin's trip to Devon Vale fell foul to the weather. Finlay Murray, Tariff United, no game for Tariff, as their fixture with the Brock also fell foul to the weather. Brendan Hamilton, a place on the bench to begin a spell at Spain Park, as Bank City beat the locals 3-0 in the only Highland League game to escape the weather. Bank City now just one point off League leaders. Freakin' Kevin and Ratty, no place in the matchday squad for Bucky Thistle as they travelled to Celtic Park to, well, let's be honest, do better than Aberdeen. They only lost 5-0. So, fair play to the lads in the green and white of Bucky. Jaden Richardson, no game for Colchester this week. And Anthony Stewart, not in the squad as MK Dons lost to (laughs) Morecambe in League 2. On the Quines, no game this week. Next up is rangers visiting the balmoral next sunday in swpl one and the young team no game for the young team either this week as their game versus celtic that was due to take place at cormac park on friday was frozen off next up st johnston visit cormac park on friday in the youth cup ladies gentlemen that will do us for the first half join us after the break for our preview of wednesday's all-star clash with st johnston
0: this episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you by Donut Co. on Belmont Street Aberdeen. Enjoy freshly topped donuts, coffee, milkshakes, soup pies, bagels and much, much more available every day of the week. Come along and enjoy their daily deals, such as black coffee and a mini donut for just one pound, or a bagel and a soft drink for only a fiver. Join the guys seven days a week on Belmont Street between eight and eight, and available twenty-four-seven at your donutshop.com
2: welcome back to the abzfp before we move on to talk about st johnson a quick shout out to those of you who like to continue to make your pledges to the beer and coffee fund it's much appreciated Be like Mark Massey and head over to ko-fi.com forward slash abz football podcast. Like I say, it is all very, very much appreciated. Wednesday evening sees the Dons return to the cinch premiership action after the winter break. And what a barn burner. A main event in any town is to welcome us back. A midweek trip to Perth to take on a Craig Levine-led St Johnston. Just what everyone is after. Midweek in January, Saints Scottish Cup hopes ended by one 0 defeat to Airdrieonians on Saturday. The official Saints Twitter account claiming that defeat ended their campaign in the cup, but can a campaign consist of just one game? That is the question.
1: I still can't go over Stevie May's
2: uh, shaved head. It just looks weird. It is a sight to be, yeah, it is a sight to behold. Um, fingers crossed we don't see too much of it on Wednesday. <laughs> Saints coming into this one, sitting in 10th place in the league, one point ahead of Ross County in 11th. Just three points off the Dons in 8th. The sides playing out a dull, dull, dull as fuck. Nil-nil draw back in October. A first visit to McDonald Park since April, where the Dons made its two successive 1-0 wins in Perth. Angus McDonald with his first goal for the club in this one as the Dons continued their resurgence under the hot young manager, Barry Robson, <laughs> Gary taking liberties with his language there. Leighton Clarkson with a wonder free kick, also sealing the points earlier in that campaign. Aberdeen, a very good record in person recent years, only one defeat in our last 13 visits, that coming in May 2022. If I recall that rightly, that's under Jim Goodwin when things were going from bad to worse. Overall in the league in Perth, played 76, won 28, drawn 24 and lost 24, a win percentage of 36.8%. Goals generally at premium in these games, there hasn't been more than one scored in the game in our last seven. So whoever scores first is going to be critical. Unless nice Barry plays four at the back, then we win 8-0. Barry plays <laughs> four at the back, gets Abby B <laughs> up there. I'm going to smash this one. Saints with a torrid start to the season, which saw Stephen McLean emptied after a 4-0 defeat to the Paisley Saints at the end of October, with Craig Levine finally getting himself back in the fucking game in November. (laughs) Since then, Levine has been in charge in the league, and he has a record of played 10, won three, drawn three, lost four. No wins in their last three in the league. Um, At home overall, they've played 10, won four, drawn three, Lost three, so it's the sixth best home record in the league, so very middling in terms of that statistic. Perhaps, as is often the case, goals for St Johnston, and who would have thought this again with Stevie May? A big challenge. Only 13 goals scored in the league in 20 games. That's the second lowest talent of the table. Only Livingston have scored fewer with 12, and we all know how poor Livy have been in front of goal this season. Top scorer, Nicky Clark, with four. Graham Carey, top assist provider on two. Kerry having an improved season as he's contributed two goals as well in comparison with last season. Six of their league goals coming from open play against an XG of 10.3. So really underperforming there. Six coming from set pieces against an XG of 5.94. So basically on target there. Six goals from set plays is the joint second highest hand league. So we need to watch ourselves when it comes to defending our set pieces. Something that we have been notoriously good at all of this season as guy points out, we've conceded a number of goals for Celcius from set places. Um, with 27 goals conceded in the league, Saints are kind of midpoint in the league. An average of 1.4 conceded per game, which is sixth in the table. Interestingly, they do have, or have been, giving up a lot of chances. XG conceded is 32.5. So you are seeing some impressive performances from Dimitar Mitov in goals. I would I must say, I do like him. Um, perhaps not for a number one, but maybe worth bringing in as competition for the Aberdeen keeper's position, if uh, if that was a possibility. Indeed, he's prevented 8.7 goals so far this season, the highest of any goalkeeping league by quite some distance. Since coming in, Levine has favoured a back three with two up top, and then it's a variation of either a flat five in midfield or a four with a player in the number 10 role. No real surprises in terms of style under Levine, highly combative and well-organised in the main no real desire to be hanging onto the ball for too long or building passages of play. Sounds like us to be fair. <laughs> Reasonably happy to give up territory in the middle of the park, but making the wide areas a battleground. They're the least pressing team. A PPDA. PPDA stands for, of course, Matilda. I haven't got a Scooby either.
3: <laughs> I just thought silence was more, more suited there. I, I have no idea. Are you not up to date? With, I
2: mean, are you not up to date with your Michael Cox terminologies? What the fuck is PPDA? Passes per defensive action is, uh, is what that I stands get the for. Fuck. Get to fuck with that. <laughs> These are the things that Gary has is brought this into our up. lives.
1: Is this, you know this,
2: this is Gary copying stats out of, um, I'm not sure which site it is that he uses to uh, gather all this. But basically what that means is that uh, on average, a team will make 15 passes before St. Johnston will make a defensive action. So
1: here's here's a, a, another question with regards to PPDA, right? Aberdeen have got an, an analysis team. Do you think that they sit and go, Barry, phew, should see their PPDA. It's mental, honestly.
2: I genuinely at times wonder what our analysis team do just full stop. <laughs> <laughs> They're
1: like a pie in a Bovril.
2: <laughs> um, yes, it is by... Well, their PPDA of 15 is by far and away the highest number on that metric, so they will sit in and let you try and break them down when out of possession, so let's be fair, I mean, Mark, Hughes and I, especially, we've watched Aberdeen play Craig Levine teams on many, many an occasion. We know what we can expect from St Johnston. How do you think we're going to approach this game?
1: I think the midfield are going to have to be much more creative than they were on Friday night. Uh, they're going to, St Johnston will be deep. Uh, and as, as you said in your, your analysis there, they're going to be combative, they're going to be hard tackling, they're going to be organised you can just see it going the way that some of the games lately have been going in that we have a lot of the ball but we don't do anything really with it Um, so you if Connor Barron plays he's going to have to play much better than he did on Friday Um, I think we'll win I I, I don't know why but I've got this optimism again what because we've won two games Um, (laughs) and I I, I honestly think we'll win Um, but I, he, he'll go back four I mean he, he has to as we said earlier on in, in, in the pod that if he goes back to the five I think Matilda said he's going to lose his job which he probably will because we're going to lose more games than than we win so but I, I hate Craig Levine as a manager he is you just know that it's going to be one of the most boring games you'll ever see I mean if he was ever appointed Aberdeen boss I, I honestly don't know if I'd go because it would just the football's awful um, functional sometimes He's a very functional manager, but it's not going to be a pretty game. Um, And we just need to make sure that we we win. That's it.
2: To be fair to the manager that we once christened Avril, he did initially come in (laughs) and turn St. Johnson around in quite an impressive way, given how bad they were under Callum Davidson and Stephen McLean didn't really change much in the way of their fortunes either. They haven't. They have gone three games in the league without a win, and obviously they've just suffered um, a loss in the in the Scottish Cup to a lower league opposition. So that'll be deflating to them as well. I mean, Matilda, for a little bit of background on Craig Levine, he's a yes, a notoriously pragmatic, negative manager who builds very, very physical teams. Depends on keeping clean sheets and scoring from set pieces. Uh, He got he got the Scotland job off the back of his work at Dundee United, which you know. Shows where we were back in those days, Mm -hmm. and we went and played a game in the Czech Republic that we needed to win, and he decided to not play a striker. We played four six zero. I think we needed a point,
1: and that's why that was his justification for it. Was we needed a point, so that's why I did it. It doesn't make it any better.
2: I could be being extremely harsh there, but yes, we played without a striker.
3: Is that something a lot of? People
2: do? Well, they, I mean...
3: That seems very counterintuitive to me.
2: Well, you know, ever since then, Pep Guardiola, they say that he, you know, revolutionized the false nine, game playing without a striker. So maybe Craig Levine is just an innovator that we weren't ready for. That's
3: probably what he'd like to think.
2: <laughs> That's Probably scary. is what you'd like to think. Craig Levine, yes, yes, Craig, Craig Levine and Johan Cruyff—they were the—they uh, <laughs> were the—they were the two men that molded Pep Guardiola to be the manager that he is now. Yes, um, they did, be...
1: did he get the Scotland job after George Burley? Was oh it that order? Because um, he was woeful as well. I think he might have been. I think or maybe he might
2: that would be right. right. Ah, God knows. Yeah. That was against a time where we went through m- many managers. Because so, what? McLeish, did he come in after that? He, he, McLeish kind of came in and steadied it a little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think it went Burley,
1: Levine. Yeah, yeah, I think it did.
2: Or was it Strachan? Either way, it doesn't it doesn't matter. We're gonna have yeah. I think you've seen us play St Johnston. Um, they're they are in many ways an ideal Craig Levine team because they're big, physical, very honest team. Not necessarily overloaded with flair and quality, but. Made a difficult game. And of course, there's always, always the Andrew Consonine factor in these games.
1: Oh, God, I miss him.
2: What are you expecting? Do you, think, do you think, well, let's just stick to the basics. Do you think Barry is going to stick with the, the back four and go with the midfield five? Is he going to get a Duke or an Esther Soaklund or maybe even a Papi Habib Gay to partner up front?
3: I mean, as long as he doesn't go back to the f- back five. We'll be happy, won't we? Um, what am I expecting? I don't. I can't explain it, but I kind of agree with Mark that I think we'll win. Um, and from what you're saying, you know, yeah, definitely not going to be easy. But I think we know that. And am I am I being naive and thinking that Barry's going to do what we want him to do, or <laughs> I feel like
2: he's, I feel like he's got the job now.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think. I think it's, it, I think it's been gonna... hopeful the last few times. The last few games, and and if he can keep doing that, maybe step it up a notch. Like you say, shift into third or fourth uh, in comparison to what we did against Clyde. Then, yeah, I have faith. I think.
1: Last time I was on, uh, and we were all really pissed. Uh, yeah, I I think we all spoke about how were how the fans all seeing that a back five doesn't work and the back four is so much better and how does Barry not realise it? Maybe Barry now realises it and he can see it, but I can guarantee you Habib Gay will not start up front. Not a chance. <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> he's, no. Nope. Um, Do you expect anything in the way of a change in personnel? Polvara might drop for a Duke. Um,
1: or a Sokler to partner myowski but let's be honest, he's going, to play, he's going to play Devlin, he's going to play McKenzie, he's probably going to play Rubicic and Gartenman, he's definitely going to play Graham Shinney, he's probably going to play Barron, he's probably going to play Clarkson McGrath, and then it's a question of, do you put Dukit or Sokler to partner myowski or do you play Povara? and that's, that's going to be his team. I don't see why he would change too much.
2: Yeah, or you can stick with the formation and have, you know, McGrath and even if it's a Duke, you know, in a slightly wider position with the license to then come in field and partner Boyamovsky Boyam, Boyam, uh, mm-hmm. when the game develops. Personally, yeah, I think, I think, as I said, after the county game, the performance then was undeniable. Um, the worst thing that could have happened there was a scrappy 1-0 win where he can turn around and say, listen, I've, I've made this change it hasn't really affected us in the way people say it would so I'm going to go back to follow my instincts follow my gut and get back to that back five I can't see that happening now unless we suffer a series of defeats which hopefully fingers crossed will not happen this is also a big game for the simple fact that our run for the next few weeks is nothing short of difficult Hearts Away Tyne Castle we are we've been very very poor there in the last few years yeah Dundee the game's going to come thick and fast, a rescheduled home game with Dundee, and then we're talking home to Celtic and away at Rangers. So points on the board against these teams that, on paper, try not to be as disrespectful as possible, we should be beating if we have any aspirations of climbing the table, getting ourselves back in the third place. So it's a vital, vital fixture, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think if you out of the next five games, which include Celtic at home and uh, Rangers and Hearts away... If what if you take nine points, you'd be happy. Ten, maybe. Um, you you beat um, St Johnston. You beat Dundee. You beat Hearts at Tyne Castle. I mean, a lot depends on what happens with uh, Lawrence Shankland as well for the Hearts game. Um, and then you take a point at Ibrox and lose eight nil to Celtic as we always do. Um, by the way, uh, I noticed today during the bucky game that after 17 minutes it was still nil nil when we played them at sally park it was two 0 sally by 17 minutes just a point awful um
2: but yeah yeah 10 points you'd, you'd be quite happy with wouldn't you so what 10 points if we were to get that that would take us into still a meager 32 points in the league but it would yeah, be um, to... yeah a good return. And then after that, we have a little bit of a run where you'd like to think we can, you know, string a few victories together. We're then talking about Aberdeen at home to Motherwell, home to Hibbs away at Kilmarnock and a home to St. Johnston again, uh, by the time that February runs out. So yeah, points on the board whenever we can. It's just vital. Um, this first half season has been a struggle, very inconsistent. Um, Robson's had his reasons to why it's been the travel, um not rotating the squad enough, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. That's no longer an excuse, no longer a factor. We just need to get on a run and yeah, get points on the board because we all want to be back in third place. We all want to be back playing European football again next season. And the only way we're gonna do that is well, one, win the Scottish Cup, which is gonna be very difficult. Or climbing that league table. Um let's just go quickly to Twitter because we put a put a tweet out asking what the people want us to talk about. And I think there's some interesting questions I'll put to you first of all, Mark, what does Pappy Habib Gay's redemption arc look like to you? Oh, God. Now that's, now that's a
1: thinker. Um, you would imagine that I think he's been brought into the club because the club assumed we were going to sell Mayovsky. Be that uh, now, which I don't think will happen, or more likely the summer. And I think he will. I don't think he's a very good player. I I think it's a poor decision from the club. I don't know if the redemption arc exists. Um, I I I mean I, I had the misfortune of watching him against Fraserburgh, uh, and he looked absolutely shocking. He, he every ball that he tried to control bounced off him. Now I know that he's apparently got personal family problems and stuff and i agree with beth on your last show who said that that definitely has an impact on your everyday working life i completely understand that and you would imagine that you give him this season as a bit of a free hit almost and then you see what he's like next season because then he's had a full year the club have obviously spent a fair chunk of money on him and according to i can't remember if it was robson or if it was gone cormac Burroughs, whoever it was came out and said that they'd been tracking him for a number of years so they must see something in him now they saw something in Mayovsky, and obviously he's been absolutely unbelievable but they also saw something in Ordadia who didn't get (laughs) a a game so hit or miss but I I, I, the the jury's out for me just now the redemption arc is still being formed for me I'm not sure
2: it's a very interesting one because Robson has come out very publicly and uh, defended the transfer, uh, the decision to bring Papi Haughey to the club. Um, if he didn't see anything, I think we could be talking about a very Bajewan situation of just being bombed out of the squad or worse yet, like you say, or Daddy, Elise Williams, who came in, didn't feature at all, have since been sent back to their respective clubs, so they're going to stick with him. Um, they gave him minutes against Clyde, didn't look all that great in the short spell that he had on the pitch and one thing i will say is that if they, if football doesn't work out mma could be an option because that 100% forearm yeah. smash was fucking sweet if you're uh, if you're if you're in an octagon the other side of it is
1: he, he's not had 90 minutes in a uh, more i mean i know he played a lot of the helsinki game but that the weather there gav you were there the weather was not conducive to playing football Um, No, you can't really judge him on that, in my opinion. So, until he gets, I I don't know, an an hour's worth of football, you probably can't really make a make a judgment on him. I know a lot of fans on Twitter are kind of saying that you know he's not good enough and blah blah blah. But I'm prepared to give him a better time. Plus, he's got a great name, really good name, Pappy.
2: Pappy, Happy, happy, nice.
1: I mean, the song writes itself.
2: If he turns out to be ace, the song writes itself. 100% yeah I mean he he may he he may end up being decent I don't know yet I don't know we um I think we'll I don't think we're going to be able to get much more of an impression on him in this half of the season because I just don't think he's going to get into the team ahead of a Mioski or a Duke or even an Esther Sokler so I think like you say no when Boyan leaves in the summer you never know, maybe even Duke will leave as well. That'll maybe be the time for Papi Gay to get that run of, run of games and we'll see what he's all about. But so far, signs are not so good.
3: So far, we're just hanging
1: on to the name, aren't we? Oh, 100%. I mean, it was an odd signing anyway when we got him because I assumed that Sokler was brought in to be the ready-made Majofsky replacement if and when he leaves. So I didn't really think we needed another striker. And then we had Alfie Bavage who... I know he was highly rated by the club, and you would have thought he would have been like your number three or four choice after after Duke if you include him as being a striker or or a midfielder. But uh, yeah, he, he was an odd sign in. But as I say, I can't believe I might say this you have to trust in the club sometimes. Oh, why did I say that? <laughs> oh, Gee, that oh, I feel so gross. How, how so did gross.
3: that physically hurt to oh. say?
1: Yeah, I mean, quite hurt a lot, actually. Hurt to listen to Yeah but you 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 can't really judge him yet uh yeah i'm okay i'm okay i'm doing dry january
2: (laughs) (laughs) speaking of trusting within the club granite dandy mentions the distinct lack of any rumors as far as players going out or players coming in is it because the club of leak have plugged any leaks or because or do you think it's because we're genuinely just not looking for anyone I I don't I, I don't really know who we need to sign. I, th- I think we definitely need a defensive
1: midfielder um, to either partner Shinee, replace Shinee, or you know I think Povara is, is more playing better, advanced. I always yep. assumed he was like the Ramadan replacement, which I think you guys have mentioned before. But I see him as being a better player further up the pitch. Baron is not a defensive midfielder; he's more of your kind of box to box, I guess. Um so I think we we still need a Ramadani replacement, I would say, but I don't really see who else we would try and sign I, I can't see any other any other positions that we need. would you agree or
2: I mean all window, Barry's been saying that support from the board is there if they can find someone who's going to come in and make a real difference to the to the team, it needs to be the right player, et cetera, et cetera. So, but yeah, the lack of movement, I kind of feel like if something was going to happen, we've, it would have happened already, if you know. What I mean, mm-hmm. it's been glaringly obvious, the need for a replacement of Ramadani. Um I would like to think that our recruitment team, this again is also part of the issue with Jordan Miles, our head of recruitment, who is heavily reported is on his way to Leeds as soon as this window is finished. Yeah. So how much he's actually doing right now um, is up in the air. For me, I tend to agree that we need a Ramadani replacement, um, even just as another option for Graham Shinney. And I think we've got one already in the way of Jack Millen. I'd be happy yeah. enough giving him a chance um, in his natural position. But I think with Ordaria leaving, he'll probably be looked at as the you know long-term, at least for the remainder of this season, um, cover for Nicky Devlin, should he need uh, to take a break or be suspended, injured, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. I tend to think that if no one major leaves, and at this point I don't think anyone will, that will probably be going to the second half with the same group of players as it stands. I think so too. I mean, as I say, the only
1: other thing that you could consider, and January is probably not the best window for it, is the the players that are out of contract, like your Keller Roos, but you're not going to sign a goalkeeper in January, unless it's on a pre-contract, really, are you? Um, yeah. Without knowing what Roos is doing. And the Connor Baron thing just rumbles on. It's, it's kind of getting a bit boring. It's kind of like the Ryan Jack thing. It's like, just yeah. say what you're doing and just tell us what's happening. I mean, the club may know. Um, I don't believe that they knew Ryan Jack was going to end up where he did. And, you know, fuck that guy. But y- you would just rather know if you're going to have Baron long term or not. And um, from what I'm led to believe, the club have chucked a heap of money at him again. So he's either going to sign or he's not Um, God that was so Michael Owen he's either going to sign or he's not fucking hell
2: Um,
1: (laughs) but as I say I I don't see who else you need to sign I I think if the offer came in for Duke and it was high enough I think the club would maybe sell him because he's not starting every game and I know he's not been as good as he was last season by the way did you notice in the photos of the team coming back for training Duke's lost a heap of weight he looks like a different man. He looks fit and <laughs> like ready to go. Um, anyway, so I, I think if, if the offer came in for Duke and it was high enough, I can see the club taking it. I know half half the money has to go to Benfica, but
2: yeah, that's the bugger, isn't it? That we all maybe forgot about when it came to him.
1: Yeah, and I mean it would it would make my uh, son very sad, but um, I don't see what what other business would be done. I don't think we'll sell Majofsky. I don't really think we'll sell Duke. I mean, maybe. Um, and I don't really see anybody else coming in. I noticed that we've been linked with, was it Alan Campbell from Luton?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I'd be I okay with that, that too. Plug, um, uh, plug that kind of ramadan shaped hole in the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, even perhaps, a, I mean, I was going to say long-term replacement. I'm not sure how old Alan Campbell is now, but definitely an alternative to to game shitty yeah. i think that's more a case of he's been recalled from his loan spell mill so he's kind of a bit of a limbo in yeah. his career uh, the matty pollock rumor will persist i'm sure uh, it's for as long, long it's just as not gonna january happen yeah january goes on but and, and also, do we,
1: he's he's a very good defender but do we do we need him i
2: love him obviously but uh, do we need him Um, I would tend to go with the thinking that he's a better defender than Rubezic or Garteman. Yeah, but McDonald is as well, and he doesn't play McDonald. Touché. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so... (laughs) Yeah, fair point, fair point. I think it's just going to persist just naturally because he's not getting much of a look in at Watford. And let's be fair, he was ace. Um, Ian Taylor. He was. Is Jack McKenzie the most improved player of the season?
1: Possibly. Either him or Polvara for me. One or the other. Um, Povara's also been very, very good since he came back from his loan. Uh, but Mackenzie, he, yeah, he, he was good on Friday. Um, I know he's had his, his injuries. Um, he's had some absolutely suicidal moments. Hibs in the cup. Uh, and what was the Was it hacking away that he gave away a penalty? Or was that uh, Frankfurt? Frank Frank? Uh, both. Both okay, both yeah, and I remember one of them, one of them being absolutely criminal. Um, yes. But yeah, I'd, I'd probably, I, I would go with that, Mackenzie
2: or uh, or Pulvara. I think I would agree with you. I think Dante's got to be the standout as far as what I expected. And let's be fair, when he got that three-year extension to his contract, everyone was taking the rip ourselves included. As to what really? the hell we were doing this for. And then he's come on to a game and he's become one of our, I would dare say, best players. And ourselves, the three of us, at least we want to see more of him. Uh, also, I'm just going to put it out there. Can we have a moment of silence for the mullet? The oh, mullet's yeah, gone. I noticed that. I noticed it was gone. But what, what a good looking dude he is. Very upsetting. Handsome man. He is. I mean, Beth said that Jamie McGrath's easy on the eye. Dante Bovara, mm. now that's a dreamy guy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you well. not agree? Yeah, yeah. Do, would I you mean... would you advocate changing his nickname to the Heartbreak Kid?
3: <laughs> Why not? What is his nickname
2: now? Uh, does he have a nickname? No. no. <laughs> da- well, Dante's peak? well,
3: then it's nah. <laughs> uh, You said a word there that means dick in Norwegian, so um, I find that very. Oh, well, yeah. even
1: more relevant. <laughs> even more Here relevant. we are. So that's an educational that's like the, show. That's, that's like an every week feature, isn't it? Dante speak. But
2: the um, the heartbreak kid, I, I, I yeah, I, I like that. I like that. But also, yeah, he's been a very, very good player uh, this season. And when he went back on loan to uh, Charleston, I expected that was going to be him done at Aberdeen. So for him to come on, perform the way he did in Europe and become a, a key member of the side is something that none of us expected, but I'm delighted that it's happened.
1: Yeah, I mean, would you have thought this time last year that you would be saying Dante Bovara is one of our most important players? It's, no. it's an unbelievable thought, yeah. So, fair, fair play to him. And he's all, he also seems to be a really nice guy. All his interviews yeah. and
2: everything, he's very, he's, he's very jolly. Uh, yeah. And
3: I guess as well, you have said this before, but also a great name
2: dante polvara yeah just
3: fantastic
2: yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. fantastic it's the most american name of all time isn't it brilliant mark we're uh, we're gonna wrap this show up thank you very much for filling in for the two lazy bastards that Where i usually do the show with i have reason to believe that gary might well be in norway um is i mean i mean bucky his partners from bucky i have a feeling he might be in glasgow Oh, so he's at Celtic. But why is it with you, you, honestly, Gary and Graham's a- affiliation with Celtic Football hey, Club is just... Hey, 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 they love green and white hoops. What can I say? Yeah, I know, I know. But Mark, before we let you go, I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions that we asked Beth and her dad last week about the season so far. Now, it's been a roller coaster. I'm sure you would agree. But who yes. has been your player of the season so far?
1: Boy, I'm asking. Easy. he's he's probably the best striker in the
2: league Um, yeah just Majlowski by an absolute country mile we're about the same age where would you put Boyan as far as strikers you've ever seen at Aberdeen top three without a doubt Um,
1: uh, Duncan Shearer i I put up there he's probably one of the earliest I can remember Um, I remember Billy Dawes being really good but when you look back at his stats he wasn't that good he was just kind of okay, yeah. but I, I I think I just loved him. Um, but I last season I thought Mayovsky was probably on about the same level as Adam Rooney, and I loved Adam Rooney. And this season, he's just miles above. And when you consider the the lack of service that he gets, because you know Rooney had beginning Hayes at their Dante's peak, um, and they were they were absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Majovski's not had that he's had to do a a lot of it himself so for me yeah, I'd I'd say one or two, number one or number two, just unbelievable
2: Matilda, in the games that you've endured if we watched at home or at who's been your favourite player for Aberdeen this year?
3: See, I was trying to think of something else to say because I didn't want to copy you, but Majovski, I mean, it's just There
2: is no other answer though
3: it's hard to beat him like you can't
2: yep Yep. you can't 100% even
3: his back heel like
2: even yeah. his no look back heels are incredible
3: exactly
2: his eyes on his boots your most disappointing player this the season uh, most disappointing
1: probably graham shinny which pains me to say because when we signed him in the summer i was absolutely delighted um but I mean, you you could say Duke, but I, I'm I'm on the side of he's playing in or has been playing in a system that is just not geared towards his game. And the reason that we haven't seen the Duke we did last season is because it's a, it's a completely different setup, um, and he doesn't have the same players around him either. Really, um, but no, shinny has been, I I just think his legs are going. Uh, he he doesn't have for most of the games. He doesn't have the same running power I also don't think he can handle two games in a week um, yeah. which we've obviously had with the, the European games and things I, I don't think he, he can hack it and I think Robson's too scared to drop him for a game here and there which would probably benefit the team um, so the most disappointing would probably be yeah Graham Cheney I would
2: say I think I tend to agree and likewise because yeah I loved Graham Cheney when he was first here When he came back uh, on loan, I thought that was going to be a real game changer and it turned out to be um, him in tandem with Ramadani and Leighton Clarkson. But this season so far, um, I think it's game management and that's the management I'm talking about, um, Robson, Agnew. uh, They've not looked after him well enough. Um, He has played a lot of games uh, in a position where it feels like he's compelled to try and cover every blade of grass on the pitch every time he plays and it's just um, it's rendering him just very ineffective he,
1: he played the first few games of the season in that much more advanced role which didn't make still doesn't make any sense to me but and I know it's been said before Ramadani did a lot of the Graham Shinny covering and um, and he doesn't have that player anymore to do that to allow him that little bit more freedom and he's having to work a lot harder and I don't think he's got the legs for it anymore unfortunately
2: Matilda, who do you think's been the most shit this season? <laughs> the most oh my God, shit. I don't I
3: mean. <laughs> my my initial instinct said Duke as well, but I think with your points there, I think it's very fair to it will be unfair to call him disappointing. There's more the everything around him that's been like he's not been allowed to do what he does best. Um, oh, I don't know.
1: Just go shaded Morris for a laugh.
3: Sure. Why not? I mean, yeah, it's another another like. I wish Ruby was better. Yeah, I don't yeah, know if that's just a, just putting that out there. Just, just yeah. putting it into the universe. Yeah. I, I, um,
2: he's a very yeah. divisive figure. So far, there's people out there that really, really like him. As uh, people like myself, that he gives me the fear, uh, and I think yeah, he's cost us a number of goals. And I think he will continue to cost us goals, um, and it hurts when. Angus is, generally speaking, sat twiddling his thumbs or, you know, playing Scrabble on his iPhone on the bench. Um, lastly, Mark, your best moment of the season so far? Uh, ooh. Uh, being, being Rangers
1: at Ibrox was quite fun. Um, I actually watched that in the house and I was making so much noise in the first half that my wife made me go to the pub there was an elaborate ruse and during and I'm very proud of this during that second half I was instructed to be home for quarter past 5 and I did and I managed to drink 8 pints of Guinness during the second half um <laughs> I was
3: just, that's impressive
1: so, so I was really excited and really happy um so yeah probably beating rangers I mean frankfurt at home I just wish the match had meant more to either team because yeah. that would have been an absolute phenomenal result but the, I, it was a great result you know, but it meant fuck all to any team, so you can't really claim it as a incredible European result, I guess. So yeah, beating the scum at Ibrox was nice. <laughs> uh,
2: matilda I mean, your record going to watch Aberdeen live in person is pretty horrific. It's
3: it's um <laughs> it's not great. No, um, I mean, I'd I'd like to say that. But- the new year's turnaround was pretty special after the heartbreak of uh the the last game i saw live which uh don't need to talk about um (laughs) and then to see you know calendar goes over to january and then it's just an entirely different looks like a different team um and you're back to like oh oh we can be good right okay it's not always shit. That was nice. Um only some of the time. Only some of the time it's shit mm-hmm. and it can be quite good. Um yeah, I I'd, I'd, that's the first thing that comes to mind for me, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think for me for for myself and I mean, this is just the most Aberdonian thing I could possibly say. My highlight of the season so far, just personally speaking, is Danny Pulvire's goal against Pauk at Piraeus. Yeah. The place went Bizarre, yeah, went insane. Um, genuinely felt like this is going to be a night that another generation of Aberdeen fan are going to remember. They're going to get their Copenhagen by Munich moment, um but of course that's not how it played out. So that's I have, I ha- I, ha- I have to find joy in tragedy. That's just basically my life as an Aberdeen fan.
1: Yeah, I mean, Gav, it it, it could have been one of the best nights at Petardry in a long time, and it ended up being one of the worst because of the manager. Simple as that we we, exactly. we, do not loo- we do not lose that game if he doesn't do what he did but it's, it's been done at death
2: exactly and that's why he's still got a lot of ground to make up if he's going to prove himself to be the average manager long term and hey there's no better place to start than mcdermott park on wednesday that'll do us thank you very much guys for joining me cheers gav
3: thank you cheers for having Matilda. us
2: And that wraps up this week's episode of the ABZ Football Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Please remember to like, subscribe, follow whatever on your podcast player of choice. Join us next time for episode 150, another milestone for ourselves, where we will look back on our game versus Johnston and preview our trip to Gorgie next Saturday. We look forward to seeing you then. Stand motherfucking free.
0: This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with the Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod—that's ABZ Pod—for a three-pound pint of Foster's, four-pound pint of Moretti, or five-pound pint of Fears any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only thirty seconds walk from the nearest of stop, taking supporters to Clodagh Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!